0: Welcome to the Key Hire Small Business Podcast, your go-to resource for tackling challenges and empowering small business owners to scale successfully. Our mission is to help unlock your business's full potential. My name's Corey Harlock, and I'll be your host. Now, I work with a lot of small business owners, and one of the biggest questions I hear them ask, and not of me, is, How can we get more sales? We need more in the pipeline. We need to get uh, better average sales. What if there was a a way to do that? That may be a little counterintuitive to the way you do business. What if you didn't have to knock on so many doors? What if you didn't have to cold call so many people? What if you could close at a higher rate or an escalating rate of sales? That's what we're gonna talk about today with our guest, Craig uh, Craig Andrews. My name is Corey Harlock. I'm the creator of Key Hire. I'm here at Key Hire World Headquarters and I'll be your host for the podcast today. Some uh, quick notes. If you have any questions for us as we go through this, please drop them in the comments. We'd love to hear what you have to say and we'll try to answer those for you. If you like what you're hearing, like, share, follow, do what you gotta do. Let us know that you enjoy the content. We're always happy to have you along. Today our guest is Craig Andrews. He uh, is the principal of a company called Allies For Me. Um, Unique story, we'll hear a bit about it, but his wife had the chance to pull the plug on him uh, uh, earlier this year or late last year, and she didn't, so that's a good thing. Uh, he's, He's authored two books and they'll both be coming out soon. One is called uh, "Hope That Won't Die," and it's about his near-death experience, and the other one is about sales called "Make Sales Magical." Uh, why did he create allies for me? Well, he sucked at sales, and rather than cold calling more people, he wanted to create a market uh, where people wanted to buy from him. Which I think, ideally, we would all love to be able to do. Uh, we'd all love to be able to do that. So, Matt, bring on Craig. Hi, Corey. How was how was the how was the intro? Did I get it? Did I get it right?
1: You sure did. That was wonderful, Corey. It's a delight to be here. I've been looking forward to this.
0: Awesome. Yeah. We we like to do brief bios because reality is no one's dialing in to hear my story or uh you know hear us pat ourselves on the back. So um, you know, allies for me, you're a principal, and I know uh what we're talking about today is is the the art of the um Free offer or the your initial offer how to engage people and how to get them in and then ideally sell more to them right
1: yeah well not only sell more so we like to say uh close more deals faster and at higher prices
0: that's in theory that sounds great I think we'd all love to be able to do that right isn't that the name of the
1: game It it is. And it's, you know, only is it theory, but at least for me, it's been reality. And for some others, it's been reality. The, um, and you know, it kind of ties into the the title of the book, make sales magical. It, It really does feel like magic, especially if you're someone like me who truly sucks at sales. And, um, you know, and just as a matter of necessity, I need to put food on the table. I need to figure it out. And, um, the sales scripts and all the, you know, all the traditional sales training wasn't right for me. It just didn't fit my personality and I could never fake it. And so it really was about at some point I was like, you know, I just need to create an environment where people want to buy and then I can be me and and I can serve them best. And, you know, it's, it's funny. We have this whole thing in, in us where we, we crave autonomy. And if you want to see somebody act out, and anybody that's had children, know this is true in spades. As soon as you start encroaching on their autonomy, you see some of the worst behavior out of them that you've ever seen. Yeah. Um, as adults, we haven't we haven't shed ourselves of those tendencies. We we tend to be a little bit more clever and a little more disguised in it, but we still have the same issues. And right. so, uh, stealing somebody's autonomy through pressure techniques or something like that actually uh does i believe does more damage to sales than helping sales.
0: Okay. So before we do that, because you know I'm a big believer and we we've, we've kind of thrown a big meatball out there and now we've we people are wondering well what the hell is going on here? We gotta we gotta give us your it's gonna be hard, you know, 30 to 60 second pitch on your your book about hope that won't die about your near death experience because people are thinking, well, what the heck happened there?
1: Yeah. So that's a book that was uh, co-written with my wife and the, the setting is August 10th, uh, 2021 until November 6th, 2021 uh, when I was in the hospital and I went in with COVID. It was the Delta variant of COVID. Uh, It was kind of weird because I was in exceptional health and, you know, very few, actually less than 1% of people that uh, got COVID went in the hospital. And Usually, it was people that had other medical issues going on. But uh, for some bizarre reason, I went in the hospital and uh, went on the ventilator. And at that point, with Delta variant, if you went on the ventilator, you died. And I was the first one to leave that ICU alive. And my understanding is very few did. Like, potentially, I, I've heard from a, a senior medical official in Austin say, it was probably single digits in the entire hospital system here in Austin.
0: Crazy. Well, we're happy you made it through.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. And, oh, and, and, no sorry. And so the, Yeah. The book just the book tells uh, it's three parts. Craig's story, part two is Karen's story, my wife's story. And part three is lessons from the uh, lessons from the awesome. journey. Very cool. Uh good work, important work for people to understand, I'm sure. Yeah.
0: So let's get into business there. How to create an effective first-time offer. So what is a first-time offer? So, you know, sometimes the first-time offer is I I called you up and said, hey, I'm selling something, right? That's my first-time offer. But you have a different definition. So walk people through in your world and what you do, what is a first-time offer?
1: Yeah, first-time offer is something you offer only once. And it's it's something to kind of christen the relationship, to open up the relationship. And one way of thinking about it is uh, think about courtship. And when when you meet somebody, you don't immediately say, hey, let's get married. Let's, uh, let's enter into some binding contract where if, we, um, where if we decide to exit that contract, it gets you know, messy and ugly quickly. No, we usually go out for a coffee date. And you're taking risk out, it's uh, a much lower engagement, but the goal is you go on it because you're hoping for bigger and better things. Right. And so first time offer is usually a mini project that is an opportunity for you to go into somebody's life and solve a real problem that they have while leaving the big problems unsolved that, that you help them solve. And it's like that coffee date that kind of brings you in. It's priced. When I say it's priced aggressively, that would be, that doesn't give proper parameters. It is stupidly cheap. It's structured in a way, and there's a lot that goes into the structure of them, but structured in a way that if you present these offers in front of a qualified buyer, they're going to say yes. Okay. And when they say no, one of the things I've learned is, Yeah. Take just take them at their word when they say no, there's a reason we're not a fit. And most of the time, i figure figured out. Uh, sometimes I, you know, I don't know the reasons behind it, but I've over the years I've discovered when somebody turns down one of our first time offers, celebrate that as much as you do the folks that say yes, because you've just saved yourself a lot of time for a number of reasons they're probably not a fit for you. And instead of wasting their time and your time, you can move on with more productive things.
0: It's like that old saying sometimes the best deal you make, the best deal is the one you don't make, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, as a matter of fact, this morning I was doing a, you know, I was on a sales call and the one of the things I heard, I can tell when I make, when I present the offer, I usually know within half a second if they will ever be a client and this person gave off the vibes of their, you know, they, they, they gave the words, well, you know, let you know, let me think about it and I'll get back to you. Uh, in my mind, I've already marked that deal as closed, lost. I'm not fretting right. it. I'm not regretting it. Um, I don't know what's going on in their world, but I know that they, they saw an offer where if, Um, that delivers a ton of value to them and no commitment for a stupidly cheap price. And if they said no to that, there's something going on that I'm probably not aware of where I would realize, no, this is not a good engagement to move forward with.
0: Right. So is there, are, are there any industries or product specific or services that this works best for, or is this a, uh, Strategy that kind of works across the board.
1: Well, let me remove the easy one first. If you're doing low ticket, um, there's there could be a first time offer, but not in the context that we're talking about. The way we engineer these, it requires you know it, it by design has a high level of human touch, and that's an right. essential ingredient. And so, if you're doing low ticket stuff, you, you can't afford to lie. Human touch. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: Low ticket, yeah. you mean like two for one pizza? Kind of like if 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 what you're selling isn't isn't of huge value, or you're you're dealing in vol- low price, high volume, it's it's not going to work as well.
1: Uh, and even you know even above the price of pizza, if if what you're selling is yeah,
0: we're just using pizza as the yeah. kind
1: of, but yeah, no, it's the same concept. Like, um, generally a starting point is we're looking for. The value to your business, your core offer value, should be at least 20k over uh, over six months, or you know, within a six month period or more. Generally, okay, uh, generally more. And it's because the amount of human touch required to deliver it, you you know, you you need to reap sufficient lifetime value off that uh, to to make it pay off. Otherwise, you're just going to work yourself to the bone and and starve. By other means. So, So, yeah, it's so usually we would say five, six, seven figure uh, B2B. Usually it's B2B service. It could be consultants. It could be coaches. Uh, It doesn't have to be B2B. It could be B2C. So like financial advisors, you know, the the holy trendy is high ticket, long sales cycles that require a high level of trust.
0: Okay. And so did I understand correctly, we're dealing primarily with service providers?
1: usually. Almost always. That, that's the easiest one to make these work for.
0: Okay, cool. So just in context of going forward, we're, we're talking with service providers. You've mentioned a couple different elements that you've kind of put into these. I'm not asking you for your secret sauce because you're not going to give it to me anyway. But you know, Art, can you talk kind of broadly around what are some of the elements or, or some of the kind of ingredients that you might want to mix in here just to kind of tease people and get them to think, oh, that's interesting.
1: Yeah. And, and actually I don't have any issues sharing the secret sauce. It's coming out in the other book that, that, that you mentioned. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, what I found is we give people the instructions and then they step in all the pitfalls that we tell them to avoid. Right. Uh, I watched it over and over again. So uh, there's, there's, you know, we get paid for expertise and we can execute these well. Um, but the, so here are the elements. If we, if we kind of go through them, um, Think thing it it is two sets of ingredients in making cake. One makes the cake. The other makes the icing for the cake. So the first set of ingredients is it has to be a impulse purchase. That means the coins in the cushion, the couch, the money in the wallet, or the B2B equivalent of that. And some parameters just to give some folks some numbers to wrap that around. If it's B2C, it's almost always less than a hundred dollars. If it's B2B, it's almost always less than $500. Okay. And the reason for that...
0: $499.99.
1: Yeah, uh, we usually do $497, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the reason for that is if you're dealing with a business anybody with any decision-making authority will be able to spend $500 without having to ask permission. Right. Uh, if they spend that $500, nobody's going to hunt them down to see how it was spent. They're no, They'll never be held accountable for it. If you're dealing with a business owner, you don't want them doing mental calculations on is this a good value? It should be such a glaring good value that it would be, you know, it's obvious and it doesn't take any calculation. So that's the first thing, impulse purchase. Second thing is, uh, has to deliver disproportionate value to price. And so our goal, if we're charging 497 for something, we're trying to deliver $5,000 of value. Than what we're delivering and so that's what drives the high ticket right that's why we're saying you want to have uh, your core offer you know you know five figures or higher because if you're delivering five thousand dollars of value on the front end for what you're not being paid well for right you need to be able to recoup sufficient amount of value on the back end where you where you are paid well um so disproportionate value to price it has to solve a problem now this is really key this is really important people will say well we do an audit and my issue with that is you know what an audit just highlights the problems that are there It
0: tells you you got a bunch of problems
1: right other people say hey we do assessments and i say you know assessment's just a nice word for an audit sure
0: yeah okay
1: Uh, But what happens is when you come shoulder to shoulder with somebody, and this is some of the magic, this is why we say it, it truly is magic. When you come shoulder to shoulder with somebody and you solve a problem in their life, it causes the release of oxytocin in their body. That is a natural hormone. It's the bonding hormone that bonds baby to mother. And when you help somebody solve a problem in their life, you're releasing oxytocin and it's creating a bond between you and them. And there is some amazing power. There's a number of things that go in into this, but that's one of the most powerful things. Okay. So it has to solve a problem. Obviously, you don't want to solve all their problems uh, because if you solve all their problems, they're going to get a tremendous deal and they're not going to buy your core offer. They're going to thank right. you and you're going to go poor. Um, and so lastly, you want to lead to, the, to your core offer. And so that would be when I said there was two groups of ingredients. That's for the first group. That's like the cake. Let's talk about the icing that, that goes into how you structure these. So it should have a minimum of four, maximum of five deliverables. Okay. And there's a few reasons for that. Um, Part of it is when you have only one or two deliverables, it doesn't feel like an overwhelming delivery of value. So four or five deliverables feels like an overwhelming delivery of value. More than five gets too overwhelming and you're, it be, it starts taxing the brain. You never want to tax somebody's brain. A confused mind will not buy. Right. So uh, that's one thing. At least one of those four or five deliverables must be the product of a co-working session. And we actually recommend two or four or two or three sessions kind of workshops in the process. And that's actually mimicking an aspect of dating where intimacy is built at rapid speeds. Okay. And um, and what you want to do during those is you really want to ask a lot of questions. Your job is to um, put up the bumper guards and get them to roll the ball down the lane. And you just keep the bumper guards up so the ball is rolling in the right direction. Because that ties in another aspect that's important. One of those deliverables, at least one, you want them to feel like the the actual deliverable is their idea, not your idea. Okay. And so that does a couple things. It triggers a, two cognitive biases. One is called the IKEA effect. The other is called the endowment effect. Both of which cause them to value that it more highly. And the other thing that it does when you do this is if it's their ideas when it comes time to move forward, because Again, these naturally lead to the next step towards your core offer. If they feel like it's their ideas, for them to not move forward would require that they reject their own ideas. Okay.
0: There's some psychology at play here.
1: There's a lot of psychology. This whole process is triggering about um, six psychological levers that are all working inside people's Working inside people's brains, that that um, really, you know, it's honestly it's stacking the deck in your favor, but it's doing it in an ethical way because you're delivering an amazing amount of value yeah. to these people yeah. for a stupidly cheap price.
0: Okay, so I, I just I've been thinking about this as you're talking, and I've been guilty of this, right? Um, you're delivering the 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 uh, first time offer that is a bunch of value. And there's kind of two questions in here, I think. Let me see where we go with this. Number one is some people get addicted to the quick hit, the easy sale. Um, You know, when I used to do a lot of speaking, I would speak for free. And I would cancel money-making engagements to go speak because it's like people wanted me. And then when I finally had the epiphany, it's like, no. And then I started charging. Well, no one wanted me to speak. So it it was an awakening for me. But can you have, I would assume you have to be careful and not get addicted to the quick hit, which leads to the second um, challenges. Then some people feel that asking now, okay, I've got them in and I've done all this psychological voodoo, and now I'm going to ask them for the sale. It's that kind of used car salesman,, oh, I feel like I might be taking advantage of them or, Maybe I've given them enough, or maybe I should do a little extra before I ask. And it's putting putting those lines around the offer and not doing too little or getting addicted to doing the easy stuff and overcoming that fear of asking for the big sale. Does that did that make any sense at all to you?
1: Uh, it did. And the first thing I would say is when you do this right, you're not the one doing the asking. It's your prospect that's asking you. Okay. Well, that makes it easy. Yeah. Yeah. That's again, that's part of making sales magical. Um, And the reason they're asking is because you helped them solve a problem and you delivered a ton of value for a stupidly cheap price. By the way, I never said free. And that's really key. You got to charge for these. Please don't do these. Please don't do work for free. Um, Well, because free
0: doesn't get you over that hurdle of them being comfortable paying you for what you're doing. Right. It's now you're going from free to big ticket and there's no little bridge in there.
1: Yeah. And it's, and there's where I, that's absolutely true. Um, There's another factor. It's uh, Dr. Robert Cialdini called it um, consistency, which was one of six categories of influence in his book, Influence. And that is once somebody acts like a customer once, the probability that they'll act like a customer again uh, goes up significantly. Okay. the concept there is make them a customer as quickly and cheaply as possible and for them to maintain consistent behavior, they would continue as a customer.
0: Interesting.
1: So that's uh, one of the reasons. The other reason <coughs> is people's behavior changes when when they pay money and you have their you have their attention, you have their commitment, you get you get a better engaged prospect, when they've actually paid you, and uh, let, let me give an example back from uh, COVID. You know, back in 2020, when when COVID first hit, the uh, you know there were a lot of businesses that that you know could they couldn't go to work, and they're like and they felt doomed. And I started seeing this, and it just broke my heart. Absolutely broke my heart. And so I offered something. I called it the $25 30 minute COVID. Break free, breakthrough strategy or something like that, and basically, if anybody wanted to jump on on Zoom with me for a half hour, I would help them figure out how to drive revenue, whatever their business was. I'd help them figure out how to drive revenue, in under the constraints of COVID, and I had some people take me up on that, and you know, including somebody who was a speaking coach for people, coaching people to go on stages and speak. We helped him figure out how to drive revenue. Uh, during lockdowns when there were no stages.
0: Hey, it's Corey. And if you like what you're hearing, give this episode a thumbs up and subscribe or follow to get reminders of new episodes of the Key Hire Small Business Podcast.
1: Uh, But I had somebody else who came to me and she had a business. Uh, I forgot the exact nature of the business, but her business was stuck. She was in the same issue. And she said, Craig, I'd really like to do, you know, help you pick my brain on or, you help pick your brain on how I can drive revenue during this time. And I said, sure thing. I said, that'd be $25. And she said, no. And (laughs) I was like, okay, then I now see where you value your business. My time is worth way more than $25. I'm doing this because my heart's breaking watching businesses fail. But if you're not willing to spend $25 on your business, if that's too risky for you, then no you're not welcome to my time. Um I'm going to focus my time on people that value their business at at, at least $25. So that's the other thing that happens is when you charge some price you will find pe- there are people out there that I don't know if they're kicking tires uh or looking for competitive bids or whatever it is that will say no at that point but they never intended to really use you. They're not serious. Right. So charging something immediately filters out the non-serious folks.
0: And to, to put to put that in perspective, when your books come out, don't give them to people because if you want to guarantee someone not read your book, give it to them for free. Yeah. If you want to guarantee they will read it, make them pay you for it because people, mm-hmm. I think what this, the stats are like 90 something percent of people who get a book for free, never, never crack the spine. But if you pay for the book, the odds of you reading it are 80 something percent you'll at least start it
1: so yeah, that's that's great advice and and i'm thinking i have a few books laying around here that somebody gave me and you've never read them never never read them so we started
0: touching on some of this stuff what you know i'm i, I got a business and we're providing a service maybe we're we're an i.t company maybe i'm a, i'm consulting on something what are And we may have danced around some of these, but what would you say are the top two or three mistakes people make when they try to create something or you mentioned the pitfalls, right? I'll give you the roadmap and you're still going to make the mistakes that we tell you not to make. But even beyond, you know, crafting a first time offer, or if I'm going to try to do something different to stand out, what are the mistakes a business owner in your experience
1: generally will make? Well, and let me give one that is common both to first-time offers, but also I think more broadly, whether or not you're selling a first-time offer and it is the insatiable desire to sell that pretty much any business owner has. And it's not necessarily a bad thing because if you don't sell, you don't put food on the table. But what I would liken it to is, uh, you know, I was in the Marines for six years and they taught me how to shoot. And one of the first things they do is they teach you, don't focus on the target. You focus on the front sight post of the rifle. That's where your focal point is. And they actually had us repeat, you know, um, put the clear uh, tip of the front sight post on the blurry, you know, Charlie target mid you know, and they had us repeat these things where we would say the target is blurry. The front sight post is clear. Well, if we think about the target as being uh being buying your core offer, your high-ticket offer, if that's the target, the mistake that people make, what especially if they're trying to make a first-time offer, is that focus, that insatiable focus on the sale. If they move their focal point to, I'm here to serve you, I'm here to serve you for a short period of time, and I'm going to try to deliver as much value to you as possible Within these in these constraints, and when you put your focus there, your hitting average goes way high.
0: Okay, that makes sense. I mean, and and so the the, the other side of that is sometimes as a service provider, because I I fall into that category. You want to help so much that you give everything away without asking for anything in return.
1: Yeah, and that's why these these offers are very carefully crafted um, to to make sure you're delivering value, um, but to make sure, again, you have to solve a problem, but you have to leave the big problems unsolved. And, And so that's the thing is when you have the time, when you put the time in to build the right offer and you present that offer at a stupidly cheap price, when somebody says no to that, just accept this is somebody for whatever reason that maybe I understand. Maybe I don't understand. This is somebody I cannot help.
0: Right. They're not ready yet. They're there. The pain isn't enough for them yet.
1: Yep. Yeah. And and what I found is those that do buy that um, the. You know, it just it tightens the relationship. And as a matter of fact, uh, here's an example. I re, uh, recorded a video testimonial with somebody this morning who bought one of our first time offers and in the process of going through it, you know, first thing we said was, I, I think you have a really tough problem you're trying to solve and here are the, the barriers. And in delivering the first time offer, he realized, you know what? I, uh, he had just started this business and he realized, no, this is the wrong model. And he actually sold his business and had it absorbed into a larger business that, was able to address some of the problems that we highlighted in that, and so I feel good about that exchange because he had spent a lot of money with other marketing folks who had never told him this, and so after spending just you know a couple hours with us, few hours with us, he was able to make better decisions. He's now leaving um, you know testimonials for why people should work with us, and if he ever runs into You know, as he runs into people that uh, that we can help, he has the confidence to say, you need to go talk to Craig. Pay him five hundred dollars. You're going to get a ton of value. You're not even obligated at the end of that.
0: Yeah. Cool. So we've talked about what it is. We've talked about the mistakes people make when they try to do it. So other than calling you, if I wanted to start thinking about uh, an effective first time offer. What are some of the, the things I need to think about or what? how do I start understanding what that key point of entry pain point is that I can solve for someone to start putting together this first-time offer?
1: Well, and you said something really key there. And this is, you know, so the short answer, we, we have a guide and a course we're going to give your audience that helps them avoid a lot of the mistakes I made. Uh, in figuring this out. But you said, what's the key pain? You know, getting the pains wrong is the unforgivable sin of first time offers. Okay, good. I'm glad I brought it up because that's a big one. All right. Yeah. You, um, you know, you have to go in and you have to balance. That would be the first thing is you have to figure out the pains that your customer is feeling, not the pains that you know they have, but they don't know they have. And so many business owners fall into this mistake. They're like, my customers need this, and I'm like, do they realize that? No, but we gotta fix this. I'm like you're going to go hungry trying to sol- solve a pain they don't feel, right? And it doesn't mean that the pain's not there. it's not real, but if they're not aware of it.
0: or they're using a, they're using a different language for it, right? I, I mm-hmm. think sometimes as as consultants, we we get stuck on our vocabulary that we've created and we try to use it with someone and it doesn't land with them. It doesn't resonate with them. And they could be feeling a pain that is director, directly related to what you're trying to fix for them, but they don't understand or don't see that connection themselves. Is that is that make sense?
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and my first first time offer failed miserably because I was trying to fix a pain that my customer didn't realize they had.
0: Is it a case of sometimes we just try to get too cute, too clever with it?
1: You know, that happens. Um, that happens a lot. But, you know, in, in the context of pains, I, I mean, I run into this every single week. Somebody's telling me, um, telling me about some, some pain their customer has. And, and inevitably, I'll ask them. I was like, have you ever heard your customer express that pain? They're like, no, no, but they have it. I know they have it. Right. And so it's not trying to be, it's, I think it's part of the curse of expertise because you're good at what you do. You know, the problems that are keeping your customers from achieving what they're trying to achieve in life and have a good heart. you you want to solve that for them, but before you can solve that for them, they need to realize that they, that's an issue for them. And there's only so much persuasion you can do in the sales conversation so something else we we talk about that's an advantage of first-time offers. Somebody won't buy from you if they have a broken belief system. And all of our customers have a broken belief system to some degree. And so when their broken, when you when their broken belief system changes to a correct belief system, then they're in a position to buy from you because they understand how you're going to remove those issues in their life. Well, some of that belief system you can change in the sales conversation. But some of it you can't, it's too embedded, it's too entrenched, it's too hard. And what we found is we can change those elements during the delivery of the first time offer because we have a little bit more of their time, we have a little bit more of their attention, they've paid us money. And so we now have a relationship where, as the consultant, we're actually consulting with them. And a lot of our consulting looks like us asking them questions. And when we ask the questions, all of a sudden they start saying, well, I didn't think about that and it's it's by it's the powerful use of questions that takes someone on a journey of discovery to the point where they realize oh my goodness I have this problem here and I never even realized it.
0: And what I was thinking as you were talking is sometimes as like you said when we're consultants and we're experts in our area and we've dealt with lots of people we can see the problem before our potential client or client can, and we make the mistake of forgetting the steps and just jumping right to the problem. And we haven't brought them along with us through those stages to get them to go, oh, okay, now I know what you're talking about. We just say it because it might make sense to us and we see it clearly, but there are several steps or uh, experiences away from going, Oh, now I know what you're talking about. And I'll share a, a really great example with you. So I, I have a client who's come back to me and uh, I haven't worked with him in a, in a couple years, but he's one of my favorites loved work. Uh, I uh, did and will and do love working with them, but we put the, this is a decades old company and we put kind of one of the first truly professional operators in this company and you know, we put together this plan for him and how it, how we wanted everything to end up for him and just saying to him in the conversation, I said, you know, since we put, you know, person A in that, in your company, has it redefined what a good employee looks like for you? And he went, absolutely. But he hadn't, he didn't know what good looked like until we got him good, you right. know, so it, but it, we had to take him through the process to get him there. And here we are three years later. And he's like, Now I know the level and the uh, professionalism that I need for my business to push me forward.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So anyway, a long way of my self indulgence and my story to kind of take you back to your point, but yeah, we got to remember the journey of these of our clients sometimes and not just kind of rush to the point, the pain point because they might go, yeah, it's not my pain.
1: Well, it, it gives a false sense of efficiency. Yeah, you know, so when you see the problem, your brain says, Oh, I'm gonna point this out, we're gonna fix it, we're gonna fix it quickly, and we're gonna move on. The paradox is when you take the slow route and you get them to the point where they realize it on their on their own, it's stronger, it's more powerful. And you fix it faster. Incre- yeah.
0: And and someone once told me a friend of mine, Keith, he once said, when you tell them what their problem is and they're not ready or to, to hear it or understand it yet. They think you don't understand their problem. Yeah. And so that you, you kind of start losing that trust like, man, I don't I don't know if this guy gets what I'm what I'm trying to do here when we do. But we've just moved too quickly or haven't brought them along on our on the journey that they need to be on. Yeah. Very yeah. cool, um, man. This has been great. I think it's super valuable. I've learned a ton as a service provider, and I'm, I'm really I, man, I'm thankful you're still with us, and well, oh, thank that you know, I know your time is even more valuable than it used to be. So I'm, I'm grateful that you you chose to spend some time with us today. Uh, so you got lots of stuff that you wanna. You got things happening, and I know people are gonna want to get in touch with you. So tell us. Uh, start with your contact info first, and then Matt uh, Matt will flash up the uh, the the free gift stuff.
1: Yeah. So the um, website is Allies for me.com it it's spelled a l l i e s the number 4 m e.com and on there we have you know a get started uh page and you can contact me there uh if you google Craig Andrews I think I'm the number one search result my LinkedIn page is number one search result um but I also have a um I have a gift for your audience and the um, it's two things. One is we have a guide for making first-time offers so you can avoid some of the mistakes that I made. And I made many mistakes um, and occasionally still do. Uh, but uh, that guide will help you avoid a lot of the mistakes that I made. The, um, we also have a 23 days access to a course. And to explain the 23 days access, We study human behavior and we know that if we offer a free course, you'll sign up and never take it. It will not change your life. Our goal is to change lives. And so when we put a 23 day limit on it, we actually see it in the analytics. People run in, they sign up and they consume the content, which makes us happy because we want people, we believe high ticket sales are broken and we're on a mission to change that. So they can get that free gift. Two free gifts if they go to allies4me.com slash key hire. Key hire
0: one word, no dash, right?
1: One word, all lowercase. Beautiful.
0: Well, that's awesome. Thank you. That's super generous of you. We definitely appreciate it. Again, thanks so much for your time. I, you, know, we're all about giving business owners a peek behind the curtain, uh, access to experts and information they might not not otherwise have access to. And this conversation has been great. I think it's very thought provoking for them, even if they're starting to understand even their own sales journey about, Hey, maybe we're moving too quickly. Maybe there is something here. We can, we can do better or do a a first time offer that that can warm us up to people and start building that trust and bridge that gap. So again, we're, we're a help first podcast. We want to make sure people are just getting usable information, things they can walk away with and, and, uh, change or implement into their business. So I really thank you for spending your time with us and sharing your wisdom with us.
1: Uh, thank you, Corey. It's been a delight. Awesome. Thanks so much, Craig.
0: Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. We appreciate your support. If you enjoyed the show, we would love it if you could take a moment to leave us a review. And don't forget to subscribe or follow to stay up to date with all the latest episodes as they're released. Discover how Key Hire supports small business owners with talent planning and acquisition by exploring our YouTube channel or LinkedIn page. For comprehensive information, visit our website at www.keyhire.solution, where you can also sign up for a complimentary consultation to discuss any talent, experience, or capacity problems that keep you awake at night. Until next time, stop grinding and start grinding.